live from the office of the fictional film critic David Manning. This is Austin Danger Podcast, the only, still remains, the only randomly curated Austin Powers-themed podcast on the internet. As always, I am Kev, and as always, I am joined by super producer extraordinaire Mackenzie Wilkes. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Mackenzie, nine months ago, you spun the wheel to decide how we would begin 2023. (laughs) Yes, I did. You know something funny? A couple months before our movie this week came out, another movie, uh, kind of a meta comedy that I watched over our break, uh, it's a... (laughs) That movie's about subliminal messages, and one of those subliminal messages, Heath Ledger is the new Matt Damon. And what better way to answer that joke from Josie and the Pussycats than Heath Ledger's <laughs> performance in our film tonight, A Knight's Tale? Oh, yes. Perennial VHS classic. Yes, all-timer, all-time classic. I'd never seen it. What a life. I cannot wait to hear your first time thoughts because I think I have seen this movie approximately 800,000 times. It's like I've seen this movie as well, it's like as early as I can remember watching movies. So I, uh, I'm excited to hear your like initial first watch thoughts on it. Righteous. Hey, that guy David Manning loved it because <clears throat> he was a Muppet by Sony Columbia. But we'll get into that later on the show. But first, uh, first of all, I want to welcome everybody back to the show. <laughs> welcome back. It's been a long week. Hope you're Dude. well. <laughs> <laughs> for the for the for everyone to know, Mama got COVID. <laughs> it's true. The Mama break. got COVID, and Mama still has COVID. So if I sound a little gravelly this episode, that's why. Um, but boy, oh boy, am I glad to honestly. I've never been more grateful to just be at my house, just sitting here and talking about a movie with you. That's exactly right. Um, but I hope everyone had really happy holidays because we're back, baby, and it's 2023. That's right. Holidays are over. We're talking movies again. <laughs> uh, if you don't know, if you haven't heard, the next couple of weeks are going to be very special before we get into mm-hmm. the rest of the show. Next mm-hmm. week is our first anniversary show. It was one year ago this week that <sighs> Austin Danger podcast began and became a concern. <laughs> what a what a temperate gonna... thing to call something a, a fucking ongoing return. <laughs> but it's true. And we're going to be talking about our, our all-timer International Man of Mystery once more. Have you heard of it? Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery? (laughs) Maybe Um, you've heard. We will also be, we'll be doing a lot of things. We'll be talking about episode 50 and what my pick for episode 50 will be. We'll be introducing Mm -hmm. in full the brand new wheel. The interns have been hard at work all holiday. I've given them all a stipend of $500 a piece and, uh, they chewed the end of it to make sure it was real, like Nichols back in Dickens' time. And they're doing it. I could say right now, the wheel is doubling, more than doubling in size. Oh my god. By the time I'm done, I mean, by the time the interns are done, the interns are doing this, <laughs> not me on an Excel sheet. They are adding spokes to an, to a real giant wheel. We will yes. have over a thousand movies, which is pretty disgusting. <sighs> Holy shit, really? It is disgusting. Yeah. The oh Hollywood Studio Symphony Orchestra alone has over 1,100 credits. So many credits Holy that shit. IMDb cannot even handle it. Their new oh software, which is total trash, crumbles under the 1,100 credits. Oh my gosh. This is not a game. We will not be short. <laughs> We're branching out. <laughs> We're branching out. Just to give some some teasers about what's being added to the wheel, uh, the Fast and the Furious saga. Have you heard of it? I've never seen any of them. 
it's time. You're gonna love Fast Five. Just got to get through four. <laughs> Again, the probability is a total of like eleven out of a thousand that will get there. But mm, Fast Five, gorgeous. Uh, also, all of the Pixar movies we haven't covered yet, obviously. Oh hey. So Wally back in June, and then who knows what the next one will be. I did. I did also add uh, the selected films of Terrence Malick. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> so I've never seen Heaven. any of those either. Oh man, Days of Heaven, Thin Red Line, The New World, The Tree of Life. Uh, the other ones either never don't link them. or they're terrible. So that'll be exciting. Also, Dear Evan Hansen, The Adam Project, The Lost City, Stargate, <sighs> Seven, oh. Snakes on a Plane. Wow, there's a lot going on here. In 2023, Austin Danger Podcast <laughs> is going big, going home, not even a possibility. <laughs> we cannot turn back. So get excited for that. I'll spin the wheel. We'll announce number 50, and we'll thank you all again next week. But until then, now, Mackenzie, your holiday was nothing if not hectic, right? <laughs> it was, It was. yeah, it was a lot. My <laughs> holiday was a lot. I was, you know... Hacking up a lung, driving on Christmas Day, just trying to get to my own bed. Oh my uh, goodness, I remember it was, that. It was a whole, it was a whole thing. Um, but I did watch a few movies, and I'm trying to be more, you know, selective about what I highlight. You know, uh, I watched the Knives Out duo. Not really want to linger on that, but because we're gonna talk about it eventually. But I did watch those. I watched Gene Dealman. Yes. Look at me. I had COVID. What else was I gonna fucking do? Um, but the one I want to talk about is I continued my bogey journey. Uh, with a, a couple of movies, I watched a couple of Bogart films, but my favorite one was 1942's All Through the Night, which is a movie I feel like I have never seen anyone talk about for some reason, and I loved it so much. Uh, if it weren't for a couple of antiquated things, I would have maybe given it five stars, but I really, really loved it. It, it's, it came out in 1942, same year as Casablanca, and it is, once again, Humphrey Bogart kicking some Nazi ass. Uh, and it's really great. And I heard about it from this TCM, How Bogart Became a Star thing that's on HBO Max. Like, basically, if you click on a movie that stars Humphrey Bogart, it'll be in the little, like, suggested section. I love those. It's, like, 15 minutes long. Super cool. And they talk about, you know, roles that feel really definitive to him. And this one was sort of a, like, his last big kind of gangster role before he transitioned into, like, the true leading man we all know after Casablanca. And he's kind of taking the piss out of the genre in this movie because he plays a mob boss named Gloves Donahue, who is a mama's boy. And his him and his mother's favorite cheesecake guy gets killed. And it ends up, in trying to solve the murder of the cheesecake baker, he ends up stumbling across a Nazi bomb plot to, like, blow up the Statue of Liberty and then has to, like, stop Nazis. And it's so silly. It's it's so, I just couldn't believe how fun it was. And I just, I just really, really loved it and obviously had a lot of prescient kind of themes with the continuing rise of fascism in our own country and the way it talks about, you know, defeating uh fascism and the cast is crazy because it has bogart but it also has conrad veidt who's also in casablanca and like the man who laughed very famous you know uh actor it has oh my gosh i think her name's yeah judith anderson who's best known for rebecca she's like the creepy lady in hitchcock's rebecca peter Lorre is in it jackie gleason's randomly in it <laughs> like the cat it's just so weird uh but i really just loved it and so i just want to spread the word more uh, Bogey did end up being my number one actor of the year last year, just beating Owen Wilson, which I think is very funny. Um, 
But yeah, I just wanted to shout that movie out because I thought it was super fun. It was probably my favorite thing I watched, I think, during Hell my, yeah. little, my little break. Hey, Bogey uh, Journey. Also... The Bogey Journey is an inspiration to us all. <laughs> I made a little private list called Bogey a Week. And so I will at least, my goal is I will watch one Bogey a Week for this oh, yeah. year because I just, I love him. I love him so much. Everything I watch him in, I just adore him in. So. He's the best. Uh, and I also do want to say I got really bored and restless feeling crazy being quarantined in my bedroom and i watched a couple scooby-doo animated films yeah and i, I mostly that. want to call this out to say scooby-doo and the gourmet ghost <laughs> stars literal human being bobby flay playing himself and i just really need to call out for everyone <laughs> that sorry this is so funny to me canonically bobby flay is fred's uncle like Fred Jones says the words, hey, gang, here's my uncle, Bobby Flay. <laughs> and then to which Shaggy goes, your uncle's Bobby. Or he goes, you know Bobby Flay? And Fred goes, well, yeah, he's my uncle. I just introduced you. And Fred has no knowledge that his uncle is famously Bobby Flay. Because <laughs> Bobby Flay is a famous chef in this universe. Yo, Fred Scooby does not Doo, know this. Scooby-Doo commenting on the death of the monoculture. <laughs> Everybody knew who Emerald was. Do you know what I mean? The monoculture is dead. Yeah. And uh, Scooby-Doo so, uh, is the Harold. <laughs> Fred is unaware his uncle is famous, apparently. So really, that's not really even... I'm not even recommending that movie. Uh, I mean, I love Scooby-Doo. It's fine. It's an animated movie. But I mostly just think that's the funniest thing I've ever I've ever heard. And as I was scrolling my letterbox, I went, maybe I should just say this. Well, Scooby-Doo has um, been doing that lately. They brought back the Scooby-Doo movies idea. So now, like, mm-hmm. the most ridiculous guest stars, like, somebody was sharing, like, the episode descriptions, and they were, like, at Kev, at Kev, at Kev on Discord, <laughs> because it's... They're it's... very silly. Well, hey, at Kev, what did you watch while we broke? My main thing, I watched, like, a billion movies, because I have uh, clinical depression, and I, uh, the one <laughs> thing I want to say, it's very important, is the day after Christmas, which I was called out for calling it Boxing Day, even though that's what it is, but okay... Uh, I went to the movies and I saw Damien Chazelle's Babylon. Now, I don't know if people have heard this. That's become kind of a meme. But before the movie played at AMC, they had a thing with Diego Calva, who plays Manny, and Margot Robbie, who plays a character, Nelly something. <laughs> it's, her last name is not the point of the movie. Their character. Nelly something. Nelly something. But they come on, they're like, Margot's like, good eye, I'm Margot Robbie. Thank you for coming to see Babylon, <laughs> where it deserves to be seen in a crowded theater full of screaming people. And I look around. Somewhere right now, Jay Sher's eyes are like punching open like that Squidward gif at that voice somewhere across the world. Okay, and then his eyes will shrink back regular size when I say that Australia and New Zealand are very different places. I couldn't tell what accent you were doing. I have no idea Boom. where Margot Robbie is from. You know what? I also don't have any ideas, so I could have just defended the entire. <laughs> I don't Oceanic know where Margot region. Robbie is from. Well, look. The point is, oh, she's, she's Australian. Like, she's Australian. We're good. Okay. We're good. Well, Australian right. actress Margot Robbie. Now, <laughs> famously Australian actress Margot Robbie. Incredibly Australian actress Margot Robbie said, "Like, thank you for coming, and isn't it great that we're all here together, all of us people?" So then I look to my left and look to my right. Now, granted, look. Um, historically boxing day is an extremely busy day at the movies uh, pre COVID. But I look to my left and I look to my right and I stretch out my arms and legs, my giant form in, in, in this recliner because no one else is in the theater, but me. Uh, everybody I believe they didn't think that there would be showings or people were not at 
Like, why did they well, think that was a good idea? You know why they thought it was a good idea is because Vin Diesel did it and Tom Cru- on future episode <sighs> F9 and Tom Cruise did it for future episode oh. Top Gun Maverick. And they thought it was a good idea. I'm sure that there were featurettes where Boz Lerman was like, uh, you know, he would say something like, good eye on Boz Lerman. <laughs> Thank you for he'd seeing Elvis. Yeah, he'd go action. Action. <laughs> I actually love Buzz Lerman's voice. I'm sorry. And I I'm do also too. sorry to the voice. region. I've basically given up, is what you're hearing. <laughs> anyway, I owe Damien Chazelle an apology because all of the sins of La La Land, which you can go back and listen to that, are wiped yes. away. The sins are wiped away in the cleansing flood of <laughs> elephant diarrhea <laughs> in the opening scene of Babylon. Yeah, I came in Is wanting to hate it. I was in a weird mood and mm. I thought it was amusing that, like, I would keep checking the AMC app and one other guy, one other person, don't want to assume, would have the seat, cancel, have the seat again, cancel, move, and cancel again. Um, so I, I didn't know what to expect, and we'll, we'll cover it one day on the show, I'm sure. It's uh, one of the greatest nervous breakdowns since Richard Kelly's Southland Tales. Oh, wow. He's basically saying, look, this is why we're here. Is it worth it? And I don't know if he's saying yes. And that's incredible. Mm. And then also (laughs) along the way, without giving too much away, does a Scorsese tribute and then a Boogie Nights tribute and then has the breakdown in front of you. It's unlike many movies you can see in your whole life. I got to go and see it. Yes. Highly recommended Uh, with, with, (laughs) with any luck, it'll be on Paramount plus tomorrow. Uh, They just need to (laughs) get with the picture. All right, Damien Giselle, I'm sorry. I hope you're okay, buddy. It is worth it, and you are worth it, and you're wonderful. And no matter what I said about the music of your musical, uh, which, by the way, the score is at times brilliant, but brings back La La Land shit on purpose, mm. like as a literary function. And uh, I, that still that, that tr- triggered me, frankly, not to demean the word triggered, but mm, I was just like, no. Like, like mm, my cats when I go up, to yeah. give them a little kiss on the head. They were like, no, <laughs> get away. Uh, we also liked White Noise. Okay, uh, moving I on. I liked White Noise too. Yes, Austin Danger and Podcast officially recommends. I was sweating. I was <laughs> sweating. Like when you damn know. like, we're going to watch White Noise. <laughs> I Here's the thing. We don't have to linger on it because I know we do have to do the show. But we'll, like, do the, we'll do an episode um, on it soon. I, I do want to watch it like a million more times because I felt like I was simultaneously very seen and moved by it but also so confused by it but in a way i enjoyed and it's like a movie i'm like i feel like i want to write more about and talk more about but i have to watch it like approximately five times Uh, and i've been listening to new body roomba constantly that song rocks so hard it is the second song i've ever heard from board ape clients lcd sound system and uh (laughs) i'm fine i like it what can i say i I dig it it's the i dig it no i like i like lcd uh, all right. Well, that, that'll be a future episode. We'll get to it when we get to it. But in the meantime. <laughs> whoop did news. What does it all mean, Basil? This is, so we started, <laughs> we started Austin Pod and then we got the Super Bowl commercial. And then like weeks later, we got the Pentaveret, which was, which was wild, right? Yeah, Nobody yeah, expected yeah. it. This is the weirdest piece of Austin news we will ever read or, or examine on this show. Uh, Absolutely. I got it from the Instagram of the music blog Stereo Gum, which I find it a really amusing account. If people want to follow that, it's not 
I mean, they'll do news. And the written stuff for Stereo Gum has always been great. But around around New Year's Eve, they shared a photo <laughs> of Lana Del Rey celebrating New Year's Eve in Hawaii with her friends and family. And now this looks like a photo of a bunch of rich people on a beach. And then your eye moves from left to right as you look <laughs> at these wealthy people. And there's Mike Myers doing like a little pose. We'll link to it in the show notes. What in God's name is Mike Myers doing in this photo? I, I like, are they friends? Like, I'm so confused why my, because really, like, it's not like it's like a group of celebrities. It's just like Lana Del Rey, people you've never seen. And then right. Mike Myers just tucked in the center of them. So, like, are they re- are they related? I don't. Mike Myers and Lana Del Rey? I, that'd I'm... be too weird. I did Google I... this a little bit and found nothing. I I'm I'm looking at like um on Reddit someone I guess on some sort of Lana Del Rey Reddit uh group someone was just like wake up babe new new Lana pick and some everyone like there's like a couple people in the comments being like excuse me is this Shrek in the middle and like people are just like freaking out that Mike Myers is here so silly I just there's literally no explanation. Like, if you look up Mike Myers on Del Rey, there's literally no explanation for if these two people are connected. And yet, they came together for New Year's. And yet, New I Year's see... is what brings Yeah, New Year's is the what brings them together. And it's like a bunch of young people, and they all look really drunk. Like, it looks like Mike Myers is partying with a bunch of, like, 20-year-olds. Like, it's so weird. It is, it is very strange. Maybe Lana Del Rey is doing the love theme for Shrek 5. Is it five? <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's Austin. Just... <laughs> what a weird photo. What is going on? What a, what a weird picture. Happy New Year, I guess. Happy New Year, I guess. All right. Austin News done. With that out of the way, Mackenzie. Yes. It is, I think, time. May it be time? It is time. Why don't you bring us in? to the Heath Ledger classic, The Night's Tale. William Thatcher is a down-on-his-luck squire alongside his friends Roland and Watt, who all serve the brave Sir Ector. Or they used to before his untimely death. Desperate for money and food, William disguises himself as Sir Ector to compete and wins money for the trio. But having tasted a bit of glory he's dreamed his entire life for, he convinces Roland and Watt to join him and chase honor and riches as he pretends to be of royal blood to compete as a knight. They're not fully on board at first, but they train him up to compete alongside the best knights in the land. And they meet the down-on-his-luck Geoffrey Chaucer, the literal, real human being, <laughs> Geoffrey Chaucer, who can forge the documents needed for William's competitions. Under the name Sir Ulrich von Lichtenstein, William becomes a fierce competitor, attracting the attention of beautiful Lady Jocelyn, as well as the dastardly Count Adamar. As his fame grows, so does his found family. Chaucer, Roland, and Watt become his bickering support system that's rounded out with a calm and gentle Kate, a female blacksmith who creates beautiful armor for William to compete in, in exchange for travel. William grows closer to Jocelyn, falling in love, to which she reciprocates after he purposefully loses jousts to prove his adoration, his loyalty, and his good heart. 
It all culminates in London for the World Championship, where William finally sees his father again after 12 long years of separation. He found his way home now that he's changed his stars, and his now blind father embraces him with elation. But this reunion soon becomes bitter, as Count Adamar followed him and uses this knowledge to have him removed from tournament. But hey, this is a tale of glory, not sadness. Refusing to run, William faces his consequences, but is rescued by the future King of England, again, the real human being, the Black Prince of Wales, Prince Edward. Due to the mutual respect between the men, when months previous William faced off in a joust, knowing who Prince Edward was, something no other knight would do. The prince's research shows that William is indeed descended from an ancient noble family. He knights him on the spot and allows him to compete. William and Adamar face off. It's hard fought, but William defeats him and wins the world championship with his father, his friends, and his lover by his side. He has been weighed. He has been measured. And this is only the beginning of an epic knight's tale. Boom. <laughs> Mic drop, baby. So, Kev, you have no history with a knight's tale, right? This nope. is it. This is Missed the first me. time. Have, what it, have you heard of it? Like, what's the oh, Well, I had heard of it for a long time. But, you know, sometimes in life you uh, just don't come across stuff. This is definitely not a movie. Until, until this past year, the only other Heath Ledger movie I had seen was The Dark Knight. I think. Really? Wow. I think. Yeah, I would have to take a look at it. But, yeah, I didn't know. I had no idea. Oh my gosh. Hey, look, sometimes in life you come across things and roads not taken and whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But you have already told a really funny story on... Yes. <laughs> I don't even remember what episode that was. <laughs> I mean, I've probably mentioned it a couple times. Famously, I was taken to this film as a six-year-old because this came Wild. out in 2001 uh, by my grandpa. And when we see... Uh, Bettany's ass. I, as a child, yelled, Papa, I can see that guy's butt. The entire theater erupted in laughter. And every time I mention this movie, my grandpa tells me that story in full, long detail. Uh, so it is a very iconic Papa story in our family. And yeah, I mean, I, I saw this movie as a kid. I like, I don't really remember watching it, but I like, I remember the story and that story lives on. And so really it's probably one of the first movies I saw in theater. Definitely the first like adult quote unquote movie you know, not a kid's movie that I saw in theaters. And I just, we always had it on DVD. I always would watch it probably like once a week. It was just always a movie I loved growing up because it's really pretty cut and dried. Like it's a hero's tale turned into a romance, a rom-com kind of in the middle. And then, you know, turns into a family drama that then culminates with all those things right at the end. And right. it's, it's always been a really satisfying movie for me. And I, I don't know. I've just always loved it. Again, I think I've. it's one of those movies I've watched as long as I can remember watching movies at all. Like, mm -hmm. it's just one of those movies that has always been in my life. And um, I also haven't seen too many Heath performances other than 10 Things I Hate About You was a huge one growing right. up that I loved. Uh, Brokeback Mountain was a really big movie growing oh, up. Oh, my that God. I loved, duh. So. Oh, well, yeah. Brokeback yeah. Mountain. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, like, yeah. And I mean, he's obviously, you know, he was one of the greatest actors we had and we lost him way too soon. Yep. And. I, I think he's he is a big reason I think why this movie continues just to be good like his performance in this movie is a, a big reason why I think I always I always come back to it and I think is what makes it feel different and a little bit more special than maybe a movie that could have been made 
similarly at the same time or even this this movie with a different actor like i do think heath is a huge part of its lasting legacy um yeah man i love this movie i've watched it for i guess what 20 22 years now i've watched this movie so crazy yeah great movie I have it's a one, great movie. I one love big this note movie. I'll save to for the end, but besides that, great movie. I and love it. Yeah, what was your initial reaction when you were getting into it? Like well, when you first heard We Will Rock You, were you like, oh no? Well, I we had watched the trailer because it was New Year's Day and I was like I, I told my girlfriend, I'm like, I'm gonna watch Night's Tale, you know, what is that okay? She was cleaning up and stuff. And I put on the trailer just to show her, and We Will Rock You came on, and I was like that is a very cute and silly thing to put in your trailer. There is no way this is how the movie starts. <laughs> and then, you know, this is very annoyingly, there are things in movies that are a coin flip for me. Like there's a complete mm. 50-50 chance, right? So a very similar movie to this is Sophia, well, not very similar, but similar enough, is uh, Sophia Coppola's Marie Antoinette, which I, did, I mm. do not like very much at all. I thought mm. it was uh, maybe I just wasn't in the mood, you know. Maybe it's a glass onion situation. Totally. But I yeah. I saw it on thirty five millimeter last year and just bounced right off it. I was just like, it's not. It's, really fun. it's not enough one way or the other. Do they want to use the apocryphal songs? Do they want this to feel modern? Do they want it to feel old school? What is even happening in the movie? This movie comes at you r- honestly right up front. Like this is going to be kind of silly. You know, these peasants have heard of Queen. Right. Yeah. Love it or leave it. And I think it works. All of the apocryphal, maybe we can start there and come back to yeah. Heath because those are my two big notes. Yeah, I'm down. The the music. We the Will music. Rock You is the great gatekeeper. It's like, if that doesn't work for you, the next two hours are going to be miserable. Because it's like the least weird song choice. <laughs> because we get like Lowrider, which is also a hard sell, I think. This like. Wild. Use of Lowrider is so funny to me, and I don't know why. Um, I will say the one time, this this watch, it, it did not work for me, is when we see this very haunting flashback of William leaving his home, and we get, the boys are back in town, <laughs> like coming in like really weirdly. I was like, okay, yeah. maybe this one doesn't work yeah, as that much. One, but that, that Bowie drop is one of the greatest things in the universe to me. Golden Years, one of the best Bowie songs. Yes. But the real ones, no. And that is just next level. That is the feeling I wanted out of Marie Antoinette and I didn't quite get. Mm. I, I just I love it how it's the, the instruments, like the medieval instruments 
slowly creating the opening of Golden Years. I think that's why it's so genius. The sound design there is so brilliant to me. Yeah, I, it kind of gives me a Baz Luhrmann feel, this use of this yes. sort of kind of anachronistic music Here's, in a way that obviously I love. It's Romeo and Juliet, but directed by mm-hmm. like a real person and not uh, a red cl- a red curtain uh, spitting glitter everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I agree. That stuff's great. I love it. Do we want to talk about Heath and, and our we and our cast? It. This is one of those, every couple weeks we get a movie where it's the music and it's the list of the cast brings us to some of our discussions. So, yeah. Oh, and I'll also say about the music. I love the score. The music is fun, but right. I also think the score is really great. And Rachel and I are both obsessed with what will probably be the, you will have already heard it with the synopsis, but that bah, 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 the big like theme that kind of rips in whenever they're about to joust. Um, I just, yeah, I love the score for this movie as well. So I just kind of want to call that out. Hell yeah. But yeah, let's get into this cast. Let's, let's do it. talk about Heath Ledger, who it is amazingly lucky that I'm watching these Heath Ledger movies in this order. So we're seeing him kind of become. I can understand where basement dwellers would become hesitant to him being the Joker. I'll say that, mm. you know, mm. he's kind of this romantic comedy. Pretty boy. We first see him in this film with <laughs> basically People who heard last last episode, spider cosplay with his white <laughs> yes. boy dreads. Uh, my first yes. roommate in when I went away to college had dreads like that, and they cut them off wisely, IMO, and then left them around campus in the apartment complex. So oh, I would God. walk around and I'd be like, oh, what's that weird squid? Oh, my God. And it's not a squid. It's Chris's hair. <laughs> Christ. Yeah, they're giving him they're giving him a weird vibe, but he cuts it off and he's got those gorgeous locks after he is miraculously able to rescue, I guess, a chunk of his hair. Let me tell you, when Australian actor Heath Ledger comes back out with the hero hair, that's the movie. It's like, okay, that's the movie. The shot knows it too. The way that shot is like framed, mm. like him coming up the hill, like we are really far away and we're catching this hero into our gaze from afar. Like I love the way that that shot always like hits me from a directing standpoint, which sometimes doesn't always necessarily leap out to me. Right. But the, the way that, the way that specific shot, it's just such a great reveal of, of the hero that we're going to, we're going to watch. It's the best. And it's a, it's a classic leading man thing of that period where how could we not fall in love with him? How could we not find him charming? How can we not see what Jocelyn sees in him, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Right. And they have like a fun kind of back and forth. The chemistry there is pretty solid. The chemistry is amazing. Shannon Sussman, I believe that's how you say her name. Randy Roundtable obliterated. Yeah, done. With her, in my opinion, first like, episode completely splintered, <laughs> turned to dust. I mean, man, like I feel like that scene where she comes to him in the tent. Growing up, to me, that was like the epitome of sex appeal. Was like that scene of him with shirtless, like injured, and her with the like mostly sheer white tunic. I was like, that is what love looks like. <laughs> that is it right there. Here's a fun fact about Shannon Sussman. Uh, she's on three episodes of Mr. Show in seasons in season three, which was the one I got as a gift and was obsessed with. And on the audio <laughs> commentary, <laughs> I can't believe I'm putting this together on air. I, I didn't realize this, but in the audio commentary for Mr. Show season three, they call her Shillelagh Sinindamin. Oh, gosh. And uh, for years, that stuck in my head. Shillelagh. Is Shillelagh oh. Sinindamin. 
And I, oh and I was like, God. who the hell could that be? And now it's here. Now we know. <laughs> now it lives in my mind. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, no, pink she's hair amazing. girl in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Mm. <laughs> was this? This is her first film role after obviously doing Mr. Show and other bit parts. And she's also in a band whose name I'm stalling to find War Paint. She was in War Paint for a while. She's in a movie called Running with Scissors, I think. Oh, she's in Running with Scissors? No, she's in Wrist Cutters, Cutters. Love Story. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, she's really good in that. I, I'm always like, she's also in a movie called 40 Days and 40 Nights, which I watched a lot as a teenager. Seems like, seems uh, like fodder for us. Sex comedy. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, she's, she's good. I like her. I feel like she's not in a lot anymore, but I think she's really great. And yeah, her and Heath's chemistry is profound. And, and yeah, just Heath is just... He plays all the layers of this because, like, William is such a hard-headed idiot, but he still makes him so charming and funny, and you root for him, and you just instantly want him to be the hero he sees himself as. And I just think, like, every time I watch this movie, I just love Heath's performance more because I feel like, again, it's like, you know, the script isn't necessarily doing anybody any favors. I like it a lot, obviously, like, I, but I understand it's not, like, a perfect film. It's it's of its time. It's a little, it's a little, you know, medieval movie from 2001. But I do think Heath's performance for me elevates the material a bit because he brings Absolutely. so much depth to, to he, like, even when he's like thinking about his dad, like, you know, like, the, 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 you, I don't know. I just feel like you can see his talent that we will then later go to, to really, really experience in films like Brokeback Mountain and Dark Knight. Like you can see the talent in him in this early role. And I just, ugh, he was so good. He was so, so, so good. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to it in a little bit, I think. But uh, <laughs> any other actor, I feel like, you know, Matt Could not Damon, have done it. Mm, dry and weird. And I love Matt Damon, <laughs> dry and weird. I can't, I can't imagine anybody else being able to, to pull it off as well as, as Heath did. Opposite Heath, we have the villain Rufus Sewell as, as Count Ad, Adhamar. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, and again, this, this performance is great. He went there, he did the things, he got it done. Rufus, great job. But again, on paper, this is like a cardboard villain uh, for Rocky on a horse. You look at this guy, he sneers or whatever in that first shot. You know exactly what's going to happen to him, which is part of the joy, I, I suppose, right? Like, Yeah, like here's... him being in all black, right, next to, <laughs> right. to and like with the, with the darker features and the all black armor next to Heath's sort of like bright blonde cherubic vibe, yeah. Again, it all plays classic. into, it's classic, we know why we're here, we're here to have fun, we will rock you open to this movie, it's not going to be Shakespeare. Well, Although. it's funny that you mentioned, like, he even elevates the character off out of cardboard, because I do think Rufus Sewell is really, really great in this. Yeah. And I'm and I'm thinking, like, these mid-budgets, these, like, mid-budget whatever movies, like... I don't know. I just feel like they're now it's like it's Netflix fodder. I know I we always get into these like the good old days vibes with right. movies, but like in these mid budgets, you used to get like performances out of people. Like this is yeah. like I think that like the performances. Like I even think about maybe we'll mention the dad, like in the movie for ten minutes maybe. But good God, that scene of him hugging his son again brings me to tears every single time. And it's like crazy to me that there's such a beautiful performance right. in the middle of this like mid budget, you know, 2001 comedy. Like, and, and yeah. What word? Does he live? Oh, aye, he lives. He is very well. He wanted you to know. 
changed his stars after all. And has he followed his feet? Has he found his way home at last? Yes. controversial take that is unrelated to a knight's tale and it's a common theme we'll see throughout the year because i put a bunch of movies on the wheel in order to tell the story which is that (laughs) stuff in this scale either chased marvel or got horrible yeah and the reason they don't exist is because they tried to chase marvel with things that were not worthy of that treatment or the movies were just that bad i'm sorry everyone Right? Like, what is the equivalent to A Knight's Tale 10 years later? Is Paul W.S. Anderson's The Three Musketeers in 3D? Like, maybe, right? Like, I don't know. Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, like, I feel like this movie... King's Speech? No, no, definitely not. I can never see this movie, yeah, being pulled off today. And and a big reason why... I'm getting... See, I'm getting away from the cast, though, if I say this, though. I I go ahead and say it, and we'll turn back around. Well, I mean, the reason why... It hit me as I was watching this. A big reason, I think, why I love this movie is the same reason that hit me last time I watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Sure. And I was thinking about it in comparison to films now and to, yes, Marvel in particular. No, Black Adam also. Come on. We got to be equitable. (laughs) I haven't seen that movie. So, yeah, I'll I'll believe you. Um, But, like, it's both, like, A Knight's Tale isn't afraid of its heart. It's not afraid of its emotion. It's not afraid to lean in and be a classic hero's tale. It doesn't make fun of itself. It doesn't make fun of its audience. It says, this is how big and heartfelt and full I am. And here I am. And it's not going to rip you back into a joke or a gag to disarm you and make you feel whatever. And that's why I think for me, Lord of the Rings is so lasting too. Is because again, it's not making fun of me. It's not making fun of itself. It's just full of love and emotion and power and excitement. And so is this movie. Like it's not, and so this movie could never be made today because it, it would be some silly thing where it's making fun of itself and the audience that is interested in it. And I'm so glad that it's not being made today because what it is, I think is, is wonderful. Wow. It's not trying to belittle its audience. I can't believe getting called an idiot is bad. (laughs) Well, look, the, the other thing I think that those are all brilliant points and I, I will say to bring it back to the cast, we will be discussing this and more almost every week. <laughs> I mean, basically, that's it's really what it Austin feels like Austin Danger now. Podcast. It's what we're about in a lot of ways. It's the thesis. Yeah. But to get back to something that you were saying before, it is all about the love and the compassion. And it's so well rounded out in uh, Th- William Thatcher's Friends. Right? The great Mark Addy, the always wonderful Alan Tudyk. Paul Bettany as literally Jeffrey Chaucer, who obviously this would have been <laughs> the prequel <laughs> to a Canterbury Tales movie series, right? We yeah. Today, if it were made today, right, it would have been terrible. And the biggest surprise of them all, right? Because I know these other actors, I know they're going to be great. Laura Frazier as Kate the Blacksmith. So good. What a great ensemble. The best possible group. You want to hang out with them all day. 
they're they're all so good. Whenever I watch this movie, I feel like I know these characters so much because they feel so lived in and so full. And you like love this group of kind of ragtag people. And I, and I also want to say like what I said earlier, it's the movie's not making fun of itself, but it is still funny. Like it's still like it trusts the humor and these characters, especially around William, are so funny to me like i think alan tudyk is so hilarious him and paul bettany bickering like a married couple the entire time yes rachel and i always quote <laughs> my favorite scene that makes me laugh the hardest is when he's teaching them how to dance and one and two and three and four and your hands shoot the light like a birdie on the branch and one two and three and four and what doesn't lead he follows like a girl Too. like what if like like the movie is funny and it's like i don't know i just that's another reason why i love it and the cast is so funny and sell these jokes so well and I, paul bettany is so i think he is such a highlight i mean i think they're all amazing but paul bettany as chaucer is is genuinely so brilliant like he's so funny and and i don't know like i can't even i just think that he has gives such a really wonderful and heartfelt and very uh, committed performance as Chaucer in a way that is so great. I love his promos in the Joust. Yes. Ring. That is incredible. I read many years ago that like the writer there, there are historically years of Jeffrey Chaucer's life's that, life that is unaccounted for. Like there's just random years in his younger years where they, historians have not been able to track where his movements were in those years. Like there's random parts of his life. And I think I saw somewhere that the writer, you know, read that somewhere and just thought it would be funny to include him. And in his brain be like, maybe this is just one of the years that we don't know where Chaucer was. That's right. Maybe he was hanging out with William and all them. Like, I just thought that was a pretty funny, like who gives a fuck? Yeah. Like, just do it. Why not? A Knight's Tale, the RRR of its day. Just like everything Paul Bettany says makes me laugh. I wrote down so many of his notes and he's like, bet him well, my lady, bet him well. I'm like, what are you, like, who says that? It's just, he's so silly. I, I loved love his, I'm a writer. I give the truth scope. <laughs> oh, uh, da, 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 him sorry. biting his own toe while he's naked. And like, you know, <laughs> you know, he's just dangling out, just dirty as hell, biting his own toe. I can't even. There is one thing that I've been wrestling with all week. Oh, so no. I get two thirds of the way into this movie. I'm loving it. But now we're getting into London and the story is slowing down a little bit. The boys come back to town. <laughs> we have to have the intrigue with the father and stuff. And now I'm starting to get a little antsy and distracted. The problem is what would you cut, right? I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, the movie is maybe half an hour too long for the story it's trying to tell. Mm. But what do you take out? A lot of what feels extraneous as an editor is really important hanging out, having fun stuff that makes the tone work. And we need to have the father there or whatever for all the emotional payoff of that at the end. And so Sewell can discover that he is not who he says he is. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what you would even lose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because even I think of the things that meander a bit, like the writing, the letter writing scene is like so long. Yes. But I love that scene because 
it's it's so brilliant. I think a reason why these characters, the ensemble feels so lived and even though they're not necessarily like ex- being explored constantly on screen is because, yeah, we see them together. We see them interact and we learn about them through that. And I love that in that letter scene, as they're all coming together to build this letter for Jocelyn, you get like a little hint of each of the way they view love and what an important thing to know about a human being and the way they see the world. Like it's like, it's an extraneous scene, but also I love it because it gives depth to those characters so deftly, so quickly and all at the same time. And it works for me. So like, yeah, like there's like scenes like that where I'm like, I guess I'd cut that for that. Like, and they, they go to prom and basically, and it's like, you could cut that, but that dance is so fun and great. Like it's just weird. It's one of those. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, I understand what you mean, how it's like it. I agree that it can get a little meandering because also like the build-up i think to london is kind of clunky because like adamar's in at in fucking war or something like it's like the the build-up to like adamar and london i feel like it kind of does like just splat you into the world championships and you're like the world championships of what exactly so the, i think that it could that that's for me where some of the clunkiness i i could totally see in the third act comes from but but i agree that like yeah i don't know what i'd lose it's tough but I see where you're coming from. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's really the big negative. And even <laughs> then that's not bad. <laughs> like it's a movie. How rare was, is a movie to allow itself to breathe, especially a blockbuster with Heath Ledger in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty wild. All right. Mackenzie, do you have any stragglers, any popcorn notes? You know, I didn't messages? take a ton of notes for this movie because I've seen it so many times and it's, yeah. it's, it's absolutely just a, like, I, I could probably close my eyes and watch this movie kind of movie. And it, there's just, it's just nostalgia and nice. There's not a ton to unpack. I think, um, some of my random notes are, I love the costumes of the movie. I think the costumes are really, really gorgeous and simple, but really textured and like, look really well made and just feel so of the time. And so I, I just really appreciate the costumes, especially Jocelyn's costumes are all really gorgeous. And, you know, Shannon Sussman looks gorgeous in them. Um, I, just, I find the little scene in the church with the weird priest so funny when he's like, you've been cursed with beauty. Yes. Pray it fades so that you may better serve God. I, I think it's really, I love, and I love her like sarcasm of, she's like, God has cursed me with this face. Um, I think that's a really funny uh, scene. I I love the way the jousting is filmed. I feel like the movie really, really does a great job of like really making you feel like this is a sporting event. And I think that's the purpose of We Will Rock You, right? Because we're used to that at our own basketball and football games. And so then it ties us mentally into, oh, they're just like us. I think that's definitely the purpose of it. Um, But I think that the jousting, every time I watch it, I genuinely feel like it's exhilarating and exciting, even though I know where it's going to go. I think it's filmed in a really great way that that just really makes you feel like you're watching a sporting event as opposed to this sort of archaic event. Um, So I think that that's part of the modernization that the film gives to this time. That's really great. Um, I love... We do talked about his intros, but I just my my favorite one that I always think of is and everyone else here not sitting on a cushion <laughs> is a really good really good chaucer, and yeah I I love the my final note is I love the weird shot of Adamar on the ground where clearly Rufus Sewell is like lifted from the ground so he's kind of like it's a really weird kind of daisy shot with the whole you have been weighed you have been measured you have found wanting amazing callback. Uh, and I just think that 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 shot's really fun, and 
yeah, I don't know. I've seen this movie a hundred thousand times. I didn't take a ton of notes. What are your popcorn notes? I have a bunch. Let's take a peek. Give them to me. Give them all. Um, kind of reminded me of Aladdin, the lying about your nobility in order to fit in and make mm. an impression. That was yeah. cool. Especially interesting since the core came from Canterbury Tales, which is another one like 1001 Arabian Nights, a collection of short stories. Amazing yeah. scene with Bettany cutting a promo that begins in 2001 with him calling Sir Ulrich The Rock. At the height of The Rock's wrestling <laughs> career, and uh, not necessarily at the height of his acting or producing career. <laughs> if you watch this movie on Netflix, at the 3944 mark, there is a guy with bangs drinking out of a cup, and it is some of the best extra work you can see in a movie. I have to go find that now. Losing my mind. Uh, love the blacksmith, <laughs> this, the dancing lesson scene where she takes over for Alan Tudyk. Yes. Pure fun at the banquet. There's a guy who says cockadoodle thrice. Um, this is what I wrote in all caps. Take it for what you will. I'm just going to read it and we're going to leave it here. Cockadoodle thrice guy is the greatest character in cinema. And I cannot believe that we live in a landscape that does not support movies that can include characters like this for 20 seconds. And then they are never heard from again. <laughs> Think about that. Uh, la big it. laugh at the boys are back in town. Needle drop. Yes, um, so bad. Tudyk, Tudyk kissing Heath on Jocelyn's behalf made me laugh. I loved yes. that. And then him flipping out. There's a great shot where uh, Heath looks out into the crowd and he sees a kid sitting on a fence and it passes a uh, a pole and then it's him as a kid. That's brilliant. amazing. That's great. That's what we're doing. Uh, and then the last one, uh, all of the friends, this is the reverse shot of what you're talking about. All of mm -hmm. the friends looking down on Prince Asshole after he lost. It is the best. <laughs> yes. Oh, and then one last thing. The moment where you think that Bettany won't be there to give the Sir Ulrich promo. And then he gets there in time. The big cheer moment of like getting to see him do that one more time was fantastic. Yes. Those are my popcorn notes. Mackenzie, I have a feeling where your final thoughts are going to go. <laughs> I mean, I, I already had a five-star rating attached to this movie in my yeah. letterbox, so I did not delete it when I posted it again, because this has always been a five-star movie for me. And again, obviously, it probably has its issues. I just don't see them, because my love for this movie is too is quite literally too much. I don't think I could, I could see a, a flaw in it, and I don't really have... fun wanting to try. I would never want to do that, because I just, this movie has just always been special to me, and and I love it so much. It's just, it's full of heart. It's full of sincerity. It's full of love. It is a classic hero's tale where we see a person that you want to win, win. It, morality is black and white. It, it's a great group of friends, an amazing cast, fun music. Bowie Needle dropped the best thing in cinema. So yeah, I'm, I'm five stars. I've always loved this movie. I always will. I've watched it for 22 years. I'll watch it for 22 more. A Night's Tale. I love it. What about you, Kev? I know that was a lot to follow. <laughs> Please do not feel weird. Well, I am so sorry. Look, truly, 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 I get this movie. I get it. I was not ready for this movie at any other point in my life. I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much as I did this time. Oh. But I did enjoy it quite a bit. I, I still don't know where you would take out to enhance the movie by making it shorter. So I can't knock it too much for that, but um, four stars, I think, for A Knight's Tale. I really enjoyed it. Four stars is great, in fact, on my scale. 
Yeah, we love it. We love to, we love see, to it. see it. I think uh, Shagadelic four stars. Remember when we did that? <laughs> remember when? I remember how I always forget and I never say it. Yeah, almost as if it seems like uh, something that should change in 2023. Huh. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, five stars, four stars. You know where we're at. And it's now it's time to do our little show. Are Let's you ready? Let them ready. <laughs> I love gold. So here's the truth. Night's Tale, mainstream studio comedy with teen heartthrob leads. Uh, not a reward, not an awards kind of movie. Uh, the World Stunt Awards, though, they won two Taurus Awards. Best work with an animal, Pascal Madura. Uh, for Bordeaux jousting scene where Ryder rears and pulls down his horse on top of him as he falls through a railing to the ground. Great job. Also, Thomas DuPont for the hardest hit. Final jousting sequence where Black Knight is hit by the lance, does backflip onto ground. Remember that? That was fierce. Yeah. The stunts are crazy. Thomas DuPont was also nominated for best work with an animal for the same scene, but obviously lost to his colleague, Pascal. Hmm. How do you like that? World Soundtrack Award, Carter Burwell won Soundtrack Opposer of the Year. It says here that it's for Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, and Before Night Falls. Uh, Slow year, apparently, for soundtracks, 2001. Oh, no, he was nominated. That makes total sense. There's no way. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Freaking, sorry. There's a reason probably why I love this score, because Carter Burwell has done, like, so many movies I love. Is that like so? Like Fargo, Big Lebowski, Return. Oh, yeah. wow. What do I know? Banshees of Inna Sharon, which a lot of us recently saw. Carol being John Malkovich. Basically, most of the Coen Brothers movies he's That's done. That's right. The Founder most, with all. Michael Keaton. Great movie. Yeah. And most of Todd Haynes' movies. Wow. He's, I mean, I, oh, Catherine called Birdie. That movie came out. No one watched it. Really great score. Uh, so it makes it, I, I might, maybe I'm a Carter Burwell stan. Maybe I need to just, I need to figure this out. Look out later this year for Carter Burwell podcast. (laughs) Carter Burwell pod. Also at the Teen Choice Awards, Night's Tale was nominated for three, six, seven awards and one none. Oh. Um, (laughs) Choice Drama Action Adventure, Heath Ledger, Shalali Shaniniman, a choice chemistry between them. Choice fight scene between Heath Ledger and Rufus Sewell, probably the finale. Choice mm-hmm. sleaze bag. <laughs> and, choice and, uh, sleaze bag. And choice wipeout, both for Sewell. Remember when liking movies was fun when we were kids? Remember that? <laughs> I will say at the MTV Movie and TV Awards, uh, Shannon Sossaman uh, was nominated for a breakout female performance. And Shannon and Ledger were nominated for Best Kiss and Best Musical Sequence, likely for The Golden Years. Oh, yes, baby. At the London Critics uh, Circle Film Awards, Paul Bettany won British Supporting Actor of the Year. Hey, right look on at that. there, Paul. Hey. Uh, Best Action Trailer at the Golden Trailer Awards. And finally, Francine Maisler nominated for Best Casting for Feature Film Comedy for the Casting Society of America's Ardios Awards. And well-earned, I think. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Now it's time for the Alan Parsons Project, the segment where we tie in A Knight's Tale into our ever-growing canon of films connected to Austin Powers. Two links today. 
uh, Randy Bachman, one of the founders of the Guess Who, and of course, Bachman Turner Overdrive, who wrote or co-wrote many of their hit songs, including American Woman, which was the needle job as Felicity Shagwell walks oh. into Austin Powers' life in The Spy Who Shagged Me. <laughs> yes. Other credits include Taking Care of Business, You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, and These Eyes by the Guess Who. Oh, wow. Right. Taking care of business. Hilarious needle drop in this film. Yes. And, uh, we welcome him back to Austin Pod. Our other link and final link this week. So very, very lucky we even got this at all. Yeah. He's returning from our Dick Tracy episode. Prolific stuntman Dennis Scott, who appears in The Spy Who Shagged Me, as well as the original Child's Play, The Blob, Midnight Run, The Lost Boys, Magnolia, because of all those stunts <gasps> in Magnolia. <laughs> And, and of course, A Knight's Tale. And that's how they're connected. Bachman Turner Overdrive and a stuntman on Magnolia. <laughs> we love it. That's the beauty of the show. And speaking of the show, we don't have any voicemails this week, so this is the end of the show. This next, is it, baby. Next week, we celebrate us and we celebrate you as we revisit Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. I'm going to spin the wheel. We're going to announce episode 50. Very exciting. It's going to be so good. What a fun year we have ahead of us. Yes. A lovely year we've had. A lovely year we're going to have. I'm going to tease maybe some special events coming up. It, it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you want to be a part of it, if you want to be over there, send us an email or a voicemail at austindangerpodcast at gmail.com. If you've been waiting for a chance to say something, anything, uh, I think next week's a great time because we're just going to be kind of celebrating the show and celebrating you all and uh yeah what a, what a better time to write in than for our redux of international man of mystery so we hope to see you guys there for our big celebration hell yeah that's seven days from today but until then for mackenzie this is ken awesome danger podcast peace if you want to find us on social media you can find us on twitter instagram and letterboxd at austin danger pod this episode was mixed and edited by me mackenzie Thanks for listening.